Greetings, horror fans, and welcome to episode 179 of Frightmares. I am your host, Austin Proctor, and joining me across the table, my lovely wife, Gabrielle Proctor. Hello. We are here yet again on, what is today, Tuesday, Wednesday? Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday. We're talking about Interview with the Vampire, the Vampire Chronicles. It's way too long of a fucking name. We're calling it Interview with the Vampire. You know what it is. Screw the semicolon. Um, that, uh, yeah, so we'll get into that a little bit. There's obviously some pre-show stuff we want to talk about here. Um, I've mentioned this every episode since the, since the frights of 2023, but somehow the boogeyman has, has come back around to have more information about it. It is actually not going to Hulu anymore. It is getting a theatrical release because test runs went so well that they are deciding that why not make money off of this, which why not? Yeah. So... Uh, no release date yet, and no- nothing really in- more in the way of information on who, what, when, or where. But you will be able to go to the see- you you will be able to go to the theater and see it, and not have to have an exclusive Hulu membership, whatever you want to call it. So I'm excited for that. And uh, oh yeah, did I tell you it's the? I don't think I told you, but it's actually the director who did Host and Dashcam, Rob Savage. Yes, you did, and I said as long as it's better than Dashcam, <laughs> okay, it's good. Like. Host, not bad yeah. like dash cam. Yes, yes. All that, all that. Um, in recent news of things we talked about, let's get the bad one out of the way. Because uh, I don't get I don't get it. And I'm sure uh, all of my friends at Slasher's Podcast are going to hate me for this. I'm and sorry, I'm not... but I also agree <laughs> with what he's saying. I... I'm not alone. Okay. It's not like at least I know I have you to stand with me and our feelings about this movie because everyone that I've talked to so far has really enjoyed it, and I don't know if I'm just missing something. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but Skinnamarink went to theaters. I went to go see it this weekend. You were with a friend, and uh, I was like, I'm going to go see Skinnamarink because, you you know, I, I didn't think you really had a vested... I didn't know enough about it. You didn't know enough about it. So I was like, I'll just go see it. You know, I need something to do. And I ended up actually leaving the theater about an hour in because I was so fucking bored i was like i'm wasting my time like because i have i don't usually have time to myself i'm usually either with you or like with i'm with someone almost 90 percent of my life so and i always recommend seeing movies by yourself from time to time and i was like i'm gonna go it's a small theater there's like like 10 people in there cool it'll be a nice little experience i was so fucking bored it was Shots of ceilings and door jams and fucking dark hallways that was so grainy that you couldn't see anything. And I, Legos. And Legos. I, what did I miss? I And I even posted to social media. I'm like, what did I miss? Please explain. Every single comment, I shit you not, that I got was, it was boring. I don't get the hype. I'm like, how the fuck does this movie have a 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd? Uh, I haven't heard one good thing about it besides... My friends are slashers. That's it. Yeah, and then you put it on, and I was like, well, you said it was really bad. I'll, I'll watch it with you because sometimes you like when I watch movies with you so I can explain what's going on or like give you some extra insight. Sometimes I miss shit. I'm not, I'm not like the brightest person in the world. I, honest to God, I had a fairly, not like crazy busy, but fairly active Sunday morning to afternoon, and we were watching this, and I swear to God... We were halfway through that movie, and it felt like all I did that day was watch Skinnamarink. And we're like halfway through, and I'm like, oh my God, I just remembered that this hasn't been my entire life watching this film. It was so boring and forever taking. 
And then forever taking. <laughs> yeah. It you know, I've said this on the podcast, Dracula three thousand sucked away life. I will never get back. Unintended. I would rather watch that. I would rather watch that. I'd rather watch that 12 times in a row than ever watch watch Skin Skin and Marink again. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy is I remember I had to read the synopsis and I read it to you and I was like, I had no idea half the stuff that was described had even happened. I got the dialogue. I got a couple of scenes. Like I got the gist of a couple of scenes where they show a little more and everything else. I'm like, they went there. They did that. When did that happen? Was it between the door jams? Like, yeah, there is actually a very, very thorough explanation on IMDb, um, like a plot syn- uh, synopsis, right? Yes. Yeah, not a summary <coughs> that explains the whole movie. And you're, you're, ta- I'm like, okay, did someone write this as a, as like a hyper? Like, did they guess, or is this actually what happened? Because they don't show fucking any of this. There's like very little dialogue, and this is what drives me crazy. Some of it is subtitled and some of it is not. Why the fuck not are we just subtitling the whole thing? Because I can't hear half the things. Everyone's fucking whispering. I can't hear shit. And they'll do some subtitles here and and then not other times. And it's just like, what the fuck? There was some creepy moments. Yes. There There were two. No, there was three. Sorry, there was three. There was three. And then there was that one that was a cheap fucking scare because it was pitch black. And then it was like, bang, and like the light. And I was like, that's fucking annoying. Thank you for that. The review that went, yeah. When you uh, round or when you um have ten minutes of silence and then uh follow it up with a loud piercing noise, that will in fact scare me. <laughs> amazing, amazing job figuring that one out. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> the, by the way, if you want to amuse yourself, go on Letterbox, read the one star reviews. They are hysterical. Oh, I totally forgot to tell you to uh, bring some funny reviews of into an uh, interview with a vampire. That's my bad. That's our new segment that we're doing that I've already fucked up. <laughs> well, gee, I can't believe I wasn't prepared for that. Oh, no. Just when you have time, just go through Letterboxd and uh, just find some funny reviews. Uh, but I'll yeah. find you one because I'm not going to remember anything past one. Oh, no, 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 no. You, I mean, you could screenshot them, but you know, whatever. Uh, that's fine. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I... I can't believe I watched it again, to be honest. I, I really can't. Uh, I, I just I, I had to get through it in order to actually give a formulated thought on it. I can't sit here and say something was bad um, if I didn't actually watch the entire thing. But we sat down. We watched it. It was the longest hour and 40 minutes of my entire life. And then it just fucking ends with no explanation because the b- basic premise is two two kids, a boy and a girl. They wake up in their house and their doors and windows have vanished. Okay, cool. Fucking great premise. No explanation for that. No explanation for anything. I don't even know how to put the pieces together myself because there's nothing fucking there. No, and that's the thing. I, uh, I get the concept, but the filming style and the cinematography, like the whole like set, the way it was shot, um... I spent the whole time thinking this just reminds me of staring when you're like laying in bed and staring at the ceiling. Um, Not when you're laying in bed in the dark and thinking, what is that shadow over there? Because I felt none of that fear or none of that um, anxiety. And you and I spent half the time going, is there something in this shot? Um, and, but and I wasn't scared. I was curious. I'm like, I'm am like, I supposed to be seeing something? It's like a really crappy Where's Waldo. Yeah. And any scene with the kids... 
Remember, I described it as if you're watching a movie and there's just like a um, completely pointless, like the, the main character has a child or something and the child's just like eating cereal and watching cartoons and you're not really supposed to be paying attention to the kid, but it'll cut to shots of that kid just yeah zoned out and stuff like every shot with these kids. That's all I was thinking of is those weird shots where they're like, and the kid's doing something, too. Yeah. That's that's all it felt like to me. Yeah, uh, I'd say I'd say about uh, seventy five to eighty percent of this movie was essentially B roll camera shots that you would use of like nature or cars passing by, except it was door jams, ceilings, floor, and Lego. There was not one captivating shot in this entire fucking movie. Like there was no. It, it's like the fucking guy needed to zoom the camera out so we could get a little bit clearer scope of what's going on, and even the kids, you see their feet. You see a hand every now and again. You saw two faces, or sorry, three faces the entire fucking movie. And I, uh, I just don't understand. I, I would really like an explanation as to what exactly is going on. Again, I feel like I'm just missing something. I'm pretty good at understanding what you would call elevated horror. I, I don't think this is elevated. And I'm usually good at getting those, like, yeah. the messages in films. I, I was like, I, I get what you're trying to say. I'm not because someone told me that, but if you didn't tell me that and I watched this film, I'd have had no fucking clue. I'd have had no idea. And I understand this is definitely an experimental film for sure. I get that. But I just, I, it's just, I think it just might be outside the scope of what I consider enjoyable. I'm glad it worked for other people. Like I wholeheartedly am glad it worked to, at scaring other people. Maybe I didn't have a, an experience in my childhood that, that would relate I mean, obviously, no one woke up with no windows or doors. But I'm saying, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I didn't have... I was scared of the dark as a kid. I would get nervous, and well, I could, I couldn't deal with, like, you've seen me. If, if we have something in the room at night, like, that's, like, a tall standing thing that's not normally there, you and I both are like, that's got to get put away, because that's going to freak me out when I wake, uh, hey. wake up. And this did not hit on any of those feelings. And honest to God, you cannot tell me that if you took away the plot summary and the trailer and you just dumped somebody into this movie without any information, they could have told you what this film was supposed to be. There's about. no way, yeah. There's no there's no way. Um so yes, I you know, I'm not even gonna sit here. I mean, I didn't like it. Like I gave it a one star. I Ditto. I I thought it was barely passable. Um It got half a star extra for me. Because um, it scared me that one time. Yeah. It, you know, like I said, it all, movies always start with half star because it got made. But then this one got half star because it did. There was a few times where it legitimately creeped me the fuck out. Like I was pretty creeped out, but it was all kind of for nothing for me. So I don't know if you understood it and you have something or, or why it scared you. Um, I know me and uh, Aid and Mikey are going to do an episode on Wednesday for their podcast where we talk about it. So maybe they can shed some light on it for me. Maybe a whole lot of light because it was very dark. And then I'll get back to you guys. But yeah, not a fan of it. Um, so that's that's Skin and Marink. You can go check that out in theaters. I believe it is dropping on Shudder uh, February 2nd, I believe. Sometime in, sometime in early February. So if you don't want to go to the theater, just catch it on Shudder. But uh, moving on, there is another new thing that we've watched recently. We've only watched a couple episodes of it so far, but uh, uh, Junji Ito, is that is that his name? Yes, Maniac. Junji Ito, Maniac. It's a new Netflix 
uh, adaptation of it's a book, right? You or is he? Well, he's he's an artist. I know that he's like an it's illustrator, like a, right? A, it's like a manga series. Um, I have one of his books. Okay, and it's some crazy shit. You showed me some of the art from it. It is it is Graphic wild and disturbing. <laughs> it is it is wild shit. Yeah, um, I've seen some people talking about this and how um, the only thing that this is really lacking is they don't give the animation enough budget to really capture the full creepiness of the art because if you look at his art versus the animation the animation is very smoothed out and clean and, yeah and his art's very detailed so even though it's horrific you can't stop looking at it and um that's why when i saw some i saw a tiktok somebody talking about it and i'm like that name sounds familiar they couldn't possibly be talking about it. and i was like babe hand me that book over there and i picked it up and i'm like that's oh, it. Oh, <laughs> hell no. That's going to be creepy. Yeah, we watched the first two episodes. Yes. The first episode was one entire story, but the second one was uh, was like SpongeBob episode. It was like two stories, uh, you know, or two separate things for one episode. And that's what it seems to be. Uh, there's some Majority. Yeah, the majority seem to be like two little shorts in an episode, and then there are some that are just one. But so far, it's very interesting. It's very creepy. And uh, it's just so different than what I'm used to seeing. You know what I mean? I don't typically watch manga. That's not usually my, my thing. Anime, yeah. But, uh, you know, you give me a horror one, I'm going to sit down and watch that. Like the ice cream truck one, that was horrifying. That, that, that was it were, freaky. It reminded me very much of uh, The Stuff by Larry Cohen. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Very The Stuff-esque, but... I'm I'm excited to keep watching that because there's one in particular, the the mountain one that you showed oh. me. That, yeah, I hope they do. You said they were supposed to do that that one or something yeah, like that. Yeah, if not, I'll at least have you read the book because that whole thing. You're by the end, you're like, hey, it's really unsettling. Um, which is really funny because I told you how like um, this guy's uh work is known for being like really dark and gross yeah. and scary and just heavy and this guy's like all bubbles and rainbows and sunshine like just a delight and um then you've got Hayao Miyazaki and all of his films which are all beautiful and colorful and messages of hope and um he's like totally emo he's very dark and brooding and like apparently you need the opposite personality for whatever it is you're creating <laughs> Apparently, uh, but I, yeah, like I said, I'm excited to check that out. And it's actually a Netflix original or Netflix. Yes, it is. Yeah, on Netflix. So you can catch that there. There is 12 episodes, I believe. And like I said, there are a couple that are split into two. You get over there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having like a weird shoulder. Like it feels almost like a muscles pulling across. Do you want a muscle? Shoulder. Oh, you probably can't have muscle relaxers. Yeah, I wouldn't give your pregnant wife random pills that we don't know <laughs> Sorry. if I can take. Like, sometimes I forget because you're not really fully showing yet. I sometimes forget you're pregnant. And I have to remind what myself. What do you think I've been doing all week? What do you think? I just got fatter? What? Because my stomach's been poking out now. I mean, it's been, I'm saying you're not like, you're not like belly, belly pregnant. So I just have to remind myself. No, you know? sometimes I forget I'm pregnant too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. There's a baby there's in there. There's a baby That's in there. Weird. So check that out. Junji Ito, Maniac. And it's it's gonna get very manic, I, I assume, in our future. So, yeah. uh, moving on, let's I, go to what I had the thing I wanted to say about what the uh, Razzies. Yeah, we're gonna get there. Okay, golly. Anyways, uh, moving on, we're gonna talk about something that is kind of related to Vampire Chronicle, or sorry, the Vampire Diary, the fucking interview with the vampire. Whichever. Mm. 
I didn't think we were talking about Vampire Diaries on here, <laughs> but if you want thoughts, I have them. <laughs> no, uh, there's actually um, Anne Rice, who wrote the book for Interview with the Vampire, also wrote Queen of the Damned. And Lestat. It's a book. It, the Vampire Chronicles is three books. Yeah, so Queen of the Damned is loosely related to Interview with the Vampire. You bought them both. We got them off eBay because it was really hard to find them. Off, off Amazon, and they were only a couple bucks on eBay, so we bought them both, and then we double-featured them. We did Queen of the Damned, and then we did Interview with the Vampire. Do you want to hear what I thought about it first, or do you want to explain what it is and then hear my thoughts? What do you want to do here? I'll explain first, and then you can... I mean, it's not a lot to explain. Uh, it's not. So, uh, Vampire Chronicles was... The, the books went Interview with the Vampire, Lestat, Queen of the Damned. So, they're all part of the same book series, except Queen of the Damned, the movie is uh, Lestat and Queen of the Damned mushed together, follows Lestat around, who is also a main character in Interview with a Vampire. Um, and it is a uh, beautiful masterpiece in aesthetic. <laughs> and, oh, um, oh, the 2000s. And fantastic. You know how much I love the soundtrack, both the score and the actual soundtrack. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about the score when it's my turn. Yeah, um, but uh, as it's been described to me, Queen of the Damned, if you've never read the books, it's a good time. If you've read the books, this movie is ass. Anne Rice <laughs> hated this one a lot um, oh, because of how much they mashed up her stuff. It is an important film, though, because it is Aaliyah's last film before she died. In a fucking plane crash, apparently. Like, whoa. Yeah. At 22. Uh, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, that's, that's that's that is that is not cool. And what <laughs> like, double sucks is she was like her whole life. She was only 22. And the only person she was ever married to was R. Kelly when she was 15. Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that shit got on old, by the way. I did look it up. Yeah. That um, kind of sets the tone for everything that he did. No, like, seriously. <laughs> she's fucking 15. Weirdo. He was 27. Which I did. Okay. First of all, in Florida, the age of consent is 16 to 24. And that's even too much. I think that's way too much. It should yeah. be 18 to 24. So where well, the like, fuck? Who's emotionally? What 16-year-old is emotionally mature enough to get married? Well, where the fuck is 15 to 20? What state is that in? Who's allowing that? Great question. Hopefully that's not a thing anymore because that's fucking ridiculous. But she is really good in this film. And I think she was nominated by um for like MTV nominated her for mm. best villain. Um posthumously obviously because she's such a tiny little thing that went I remember, she is tiny because i've seen the cover before and she popped on screen like doing the little wave thing i'm like she's so tiny what the fuck she is i thought she was like a like a kind of a bigger girl but, but no. she has she did a great job having a commanding presence there <laughs> yeah she did so yeah let's hear your thoughts on it okay so my thoughts first of all i've already told you this but i'll tell everyone listening i uh, had i had a you know girlfriend and 10th grade, this was like one of her favorite movies. And for some reason, we never watched it together. I, I don't know what that was. But, you know, I've known about this movie, 10th grade, that was 2006. I'm really dating myself here. Um, so it's oh, it's been eight, 17 years. Oh, God, it's been 17 years. Yeah, and it sucks when you do that math, I don't. It? <laughs> yeah, so you, you can do the math if you want. Uh, so yeah, it's been 17 years. And for some reason, I just never, ever sought this movie out. Or tried to you know watch it, and then you're like, oh, let's watch Queen of the Dam. I'm like, you know what? Let's do that because it's been a. <laughs> it's also one of my favorites. It's been a long time coming for me for this movie, and I have to say, it does fall victim to the early 2000s CG. Yes, it does. Uh, there is some good, but there is some. There's not. There's not any CG in there that I was like, oof, that's horrible. But it was like, mm, 
you know, kind of questionable. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was kind of campy. I thought it was fun. It has arguably one of the greatest soundtracks. Like, that's like a top 10 of all time soundtrack. You got like it every is, big like rock yes. band that was available at the time. Heavily then, featuring the singer of Disturbed, yeah, for Disturbed, sure. Disturbed, you had... Corn. Uh, yeah, Corn. Chester um, Bennington. Yeah, Marilyn Manson did a song on yeah. that. Like, it's just like anyone that would be in the alt rock scene, they were on the fucking album. Yeah, it's, it is a solid, solid score. And I, I mean, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I didn't take it too seriously, but it's just a lot of fun. Like, and, yeah. and it's only an hour and 40. So take away credits. You got an hour and 35. I didn't feel like it dragged at any point. I thought the sets were really uh, great. The costumes were really great. Um, and I mean, you know, I, I wanted to give it a so I, I thought it was great. Right. But I had to knock it for the the CG. But also it was like the it's like it's like the CG and the music counter like countered each other out. Pretty so I, I ended up giving it a three. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, because the the ratings are all over the place. And that's but I also haven't read the book. So I'm going to be on the end that enjoys it because I haven't I don't know the source material at all. Uh, I'm too afraid I, to read the books, to be honest um, yeah, with you, because I, I know enough to know that uh, that might be too much for me. I will read. Absolutely. I will seek out this book and read it, you know, interview with the vampire because Anne Rice is set, you know, set on wreck. I think she actually, I read in the trivia, I think it's down in the trivia I put in there, but apparently she took out like an ad page in like the New Yorker or something and was just raving about how good the movie was. And I was like, it's kind of like tooting your own horn, you know, since it's your stuff. But I mean, hey, if they adapted it well, I can understand why you would want to praise the movie. Like, hey, we did this right. Like, usually adaptations don't go too well. So I could understand her excitement for sure. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Would I watch it again? Absolutely. Like, I, I thought it was a lot it's, of fun. It's just fun to watch. And the like, yeah, the, the music in it is great. Even oh. the score was really good. Like, the violin was I love the violin in that movie. Yeah, when he just busted out the violin. Oh, no, that was Interview with the Vampire. No. No? When, on the beach? That was Queen of the Damned. Was it? Yes, because Stuart Townsend was playing the violin, Marius, not Tom Cruise. Marius, yeah. He was, Marius yeah. wasn't, no. Lestat was No, I'm saying Les Marius was watching him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, okay, yeah. Cause, yeah, 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 okay. But yeah, he was like, blah, 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 blah. you're like, damn, bro, you're freaking getting that violin. Okay. Yeah, I have Mad that. respect. That is on a couple of my playlists. Um, actually, both <laughs> of those soundtracks uh, get peppered into a lot of playlists. Yeah, and I remember uh, hearing some of the tracks thinking, I know this song. I'm like, oh, it's because you play it. <laughs> I do. No wonder I know this song. You know I'm a sucker for a vampire movie, and I'm a double sucker for a vampire movie with a good score. Yeah, that one has... is uh, Every t every single time a song came on, it's just me and you were just like, fucking, yeah, this is great. Well, I was singing along, but... Well, um. yeah, I was, bob I was bobbing <laughs> my head. You were singing along but uh yeah so that's queen of the damned i recommend it if you read the books maybe don't watch it but uh i i had a lot of fun with it so i would i would highly say or highly recommend if you want to just turn your brain off and have a have a good time vampire fun yeah just, just go for it just go, go check that it. out but uh let's get on to the topic of the hour here we've already killed enough time that was really quick actually oh i'm sorry i apologize what the hell? i apologize let's talk about your razzies real quick let me rewrite that i mean down. that's pretty brief so um, yeah, so, uh, briefly, um, you know, Oscar nominations came out today, so none of them are horror related, so whatever. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people nominated we're excited about, but the Razzies tend to come out at the same time and people are pissed because you may have heard, we keep it kind of quiet. We hate the Firestarter movie and, um, <laughs> That does not, however, the movie's ass. It does not, however, excuse the fact that the Razzies nominated the 12 year old actress who played Charlie in it for a Razzie. 
wildly inappropriate. She is a child. Yeah. She didn't write the damn film. She acted the role. And literally, what are you going to nominate any child that played that role? Because she did not actually have any control over that role. <clears throat> She's 12. If you're going to nominate someone for a Razzie, nominate Scott fucking teens, okay? Nominate the crappiest him. writing. Seriously, because like, yeah, don't nominate the 12-year-old who's just playing a role. I, I didn't have any, see, that's the thing. I didn't even have any problem with the acting in the movie. No. I thought all the acting was pretty fucking decent, to be honest. I mean, Zac Efron was a little unhinged, but not bad. Yeah, but I, you know, I think that's just how he was written, to be honestly, uh, to be to be honest. Okay, so it's got Team Soul. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, honestly, I, I just, I, I think that the acting was fine. Everything about the movie was fine. Just the story. They ruined everything. You know this. We've said it. So, like, I don't know why they're nominating her for worst actress because she wasn't bad. Nope. It's not like she did a shitty job. She was given the material, a.k.a. what they wrote for her and was directed on how to act. How was that her fault? It's not her fault. They wrote her like, oh, what you were wasn't good enough. We need to add a bunch of extra shit on top. Yeah. It's like when you, you said that they also nominated, I think his name's what, Jake Lloyd, I think, for Phantom Menace. Yeah. Right? Jake something? I think so. Uh, yeah. We played Anakin. Don't, don't, don't nominate children, okay? First of all, they're doing the best they can. They're fucking children. And second of all, you're going to, that's why he, I remember he stopped acting because of how much he got ridiculed. For his performance in that movie. Yeah, so you're like wrecking this girl's career where, before she barely got started yeah. because she was in one film that sucked and which had, again, nothing to do with her person. Nothing to do with her. So please, yeah. And also, I've, I told you, I was like, why do we even have the Razzies? I know we talk about movies that are bad that we don't like. That's our preference. I'm not fucking nominating these things to be voted and picked on. Oh, worst movie ever. This is my opinion. If I don't like a movie, it doesn't mean like not. It doesn't mean everyone's going to hate it or everyone has to hate it. Yeah. So like, why are we celebrating negativity? Like, I hate that so much. I don't. I don't know why we have an award ceremony that is based around negativity. That's so fucking dumb. Well, someone said that they need to revamp the Razzies. So. It's more of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, not aggressively picking out certain people, where it's just like, oh, movie that was the um, biggest fake-out on being Oscar-hyped and and stuff like that. Something where it's like kind of a tease joke, not a, we're ridiculing you joke. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to... I don't don't know. I just... I don't get it, I guess. Like I said, I I know we have our negative moments when we talk about shit that we hate, but again, that's our opinion. It's also a podcast where we review movies. So. And it's, yeah, it's also my, it's also our podcast. We can sit within reason. But we're not like saying, we're not here to say this person should never act again. No, God, um, no. There are terrible children actors. We I know would, that. I, I would but... love to see her in a well-written movie. Like that's like, like wholeheartedly, I would like to see her in a movie that's well-written that actually has a better story because I, I had like, I had no problem with the actual actress. Yeah, because you no know, no problem with her. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie. There are people who are bad at acting. There are kids who are terrible actors. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm not gonna blame the kid in the movie for the <laughs> terrible writing. Yeah, like the, the, there's a difference. If your acting sucks, then your acting sucks. If the movie sucks and you happen to be in it, that doesn't mean that doesn't you mean suck. you suck. There's plenty of movies. That, I mean, there's plenty of movies with A-listers that are not good. But Where it, you're just wh- like, woo, what are yeah, you guys doing? Just like, man, they just kind of mashed everybody into this movie for to have names, but the story is not that great. What, are you going to blame George Clooney because he was in a shitty movie? <laughs> like, like, what? Yeah. just doesn't make any sense. So I, I oppose the Razzies. I think they're dumb. I don't like that. I think you should not be nominating children to boo. How do I award the Razzies a Razzie for worst fucking, <laughs> worst fucking award? 
Um, all right, now let's move on to the movie. Did not mean to skip it. I just didn't have it written down right there. So let's do this. Have we seen this? You have. Yes. Have. Me have not. So this is my first time. This was yours. Oh, who the hell knows? <laughs> I mean, I have it on DVD, um, but you wanted it on Blu-ray, so I got it on Blu-ray for us. Yes. Uh, and how did you come about picking said movie? Because this is the... Well, okay, I haven't decided how I'm doing bonus episodes yet, but this is the last staff pick for the co-hosts because me, Mikey, and Aid are doing a bonus episode where they picked a movie, but I don't know if I'm going to try to set a Patreon. I don't know. I don't really care about monetizing. Also, not enough people, I think, listen to this show as it is for it to... for one. Of, so I might just do bonus episodes. I don't know. But how did you come and select this movie for us today? Well, you told me that... Um as you know, I'm a huge fan of vampire films. Well, obviously. I never <laughs> once mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, Besides the fact that it was a vampire movie, because we all know your uh, love I'm a for them. sucker for a vampire movie. Hey-o. Um, So, yeah, I actively seek them out. I'm like, oh, a vampire movie? I'm going to watch that. Um, So when you said we could pick our own movies, and then you wanted something that was well-rated, and you know I love to throw you wild picks um, just because the blurb on it sounds funny hey i said 2.8 or higher you got the highest one you Hell you, yeah, you win the highest award <laughs> and i was like high rated horror movie that we've never seen that i want to pick personally interview with a vampire <laughs> Done. um that's an easy one i'm like that's it's a great movie uh, i think you'll like it it's highly rated um 3.6 yeah that's highly that's high yeah. and to be fair i only watched it because i watched queen of the damned um it took me longer than you'd think to connect those two care those two <laughs> stats together. But, um, you know, I was just like, this is a great movie and it's something I would personally pick out for that. And none of the, th- uh, none of the themes, um, for this year, were really going to work with that except maybe pride month. Um, so yeah, yeah, that actually, you should read the, tr- the reviews. The, Oh, I've got some good ones. I've got a really good one. I've got some I good ones. Go yeah. First, in I, case you read that's mine. That's fine. I, uh, but all of them are like gay. This yeah. movie's so gay <laughs> for not being gay. It's real gay, <laughs> which is true because there's, um, Louie and Lestat are, are, are a couple, but much like many movies of the nineties, like, much. uh, getting sidetracked fried green tomatoes. They they erase that kind of stuff. They yeah. they leave it as subtext. You're not wrong. Okay, so that is how you came to the, to the conclusion of this. Yes. Highly rated vampire movie. Haven't seen. Wouldn't fit into any other uh, tro- uh, tropes. <laughs> any any topics. other topics. So, Interview with the Vampire from 1994, released on November 11th of that year in the USA. Rated R for moderate sex and nudity, severe violence and gore, mild profanity, mild alcohol, drugs and smoking, and severe, frightening, and intense scenes. Coming in at a runtime of two hours and three minutes, which you really don't feel any of that. I was fucking like so captivated by this movie. I know. I was surprised how into it you guys. <laughs> I was into it because I'm usually not into like period movies like from the 1700s. I don't know why. I just hate the aesthetic, but I was fucking fascinated by this movie. Uh, we've got listed as a drama fantasy horror directed by Neil Jordan. 24 directing credits. Also directed a movie called The Company of Wolves. Byzantium and Greta, the movie with, yes, I, uh, I almost said Sarah Michelle Gellar. She's another three-namer. Chloe Grace Moretz. Written by Anne Rice. Uh, we're going to get to trivia about how she wasn't really the writer, but she was, in a way. Uh, she also wrote the novel, has ten writing credits, also uh, helped do the screenplay for Queen of the Damned. 
And she wrote seven episodes of the Interview with the Vampire TV show. So Which that's we should cool. eventually be getting to watch because yes. I've heard that's also really good. Very soon. It's on um, Paramount, I think. AMC. Somewhere. Produced by... There's a few producers. I, I'm only taking producers that did things I know. Uh, the first one being David Geffen, who only has five producing credits, but he also did a little movie called Little Shop of Horrors. What? And Stephen Woolley, who has 67 producing credits and also did In the Company of Wolves, Hardware, which is a fucking awesome movie from the 90s, and uh, Byzantium as well. We've got composed by Elliot Goldenthal, 39 composer credits, also did Pet Cemetery, the original. Alien 3, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Across the Universe, and Public Enemies. Wow, I've <laughs> seen all of those. I, I've seen all of them as well. Cinematography by Felipe Rouselot. Oh, God, I'm sorry. 74 cinematographer credits also did the cinematography for Remember the Titans, Planet of the Apes 2001, Big Fish, Constantine, Sherlock Holmes, and Beast from last year. Very interesting uh, resume there. And then we've got edited by Mick Oudsley, who has 55 editing credits, also did 12 Monkeys, Mona Lisa Smile, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Murder on the Orient Express and Pinocchio, but the Zemeckis one, not the Del Toro one. Yeah, well, there's like a shit ton of them, so. And then it was also edited by a woman named Joke Van Week. I think that's how you say that. She only has six credits, but weirdly enough, she's married to Mick Oudsley and has a couple of kids. I thought that was I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So it's a married couple and they just edit it. They edit some movies. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. Um, Starring what? Sorry, the last name you wrote. What? Oh, there's there's always some typos in there. That's a really special one. Uh, Brad Pitt as Louie. I'm not saying who these fucking people are. You should know them. Brad Pitt is because it is a stacked cast. So we've got Brad Pitt as Louie, Tom Cruise as Lestat, Antonio Banderas as Armand, Kirsten Dunst as Claudia and Christina Slater. Or Christian, if you will. (laughs) Christian Slater. His name's not Malloy, is it? I thought it was like Derek or something. It's Malloy. I'm a lawyer. They okay. should be putting it under the last name. Oh, okay. So that is your cast. I mean, holy shit. Stacked cast. Estimated budget of $60 million. However, it did bring in in the box office $223.7 million. Uh, it was filmed in Louisiana, San Francisco, England, and Paris. So quite all over the place, which is pretty awesome. You can actually check this out on HBO Max. Currently, it is streaming. And the last but not least here, we've got movies that came out around the same time. We've got Little Giants, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, The Original Clerks, Stargate, The Santa Claus, Star Trek Generations, and Dumb and Dumber. Nice. Speaking of being dumb, I can't pronounce shit. Um, I'm actually going to, we're going to do this this time because I had I had answers to all these. Did you have a specific horror moment? Oh, um, with uh, Lestat when he gets his uh, throat cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, we will be going into spoilers. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk up to a certain point and then we'll say this is spoiler territory and then we will go on and spoil the movie. Uh, my favorite horror moment was scrolling down all the way to the bottom was the dead girl under the dolls. When Claudia is uh, yeah. like just hiding that chick under the dolls. I was like, oh, yep. That's the naked lady from the window. Yep. Oh, my God. Uh, favorite kill. Oh, uh, what was the name of the guy? Santiago? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> get wrecked. Getting fucking riggedy wrecked. Did you have a favorite character? Um, Honestly, I really like uh, Claudia. Okay. Um, just 
because she's such an interesting character to yeah. be trapped to be a trapped in a twelve year old body and to keep aging mentally. Yeah. Has got to be freaking torture, which is exactly why that body was under her bed, because she's like, I can never be a full grown woman. Yeah. And it's, you know, we'll get into uh, why they don't do that. And also Kirsten Dunst. Amazing. You see the the main cast. It's all adult men. Adult men. And she's a 12 year old who is holding her own. Yeah. And then some with all of these well-seasoned adult male actors. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt. Uh, Antonio Banderas and, and Tom Cruise were all established by that point. So. Yeah. So, and she's she like crushes every scene she uh, is in. Oh yeah, she does. Uh, my favorite character, absolutely Armand. Um, I don't agree with one decision he made towards the end of the film. True. But I loved his dedication to helping and just not giving a shit at one point with you know in regards to Claudia and uh, Louis. I thought that was really cool of him to do. You worshiping uh, Louis and Armand by the end. Oh my god. I was I was I wanted them so badly to just fucking make out. Good God. Just they were close enough to each other. Twice. I was like just fucking smash your face together. Do it. Make out. They were just like okay just kiss already. You're basically breathing each other's air. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Breathing each other's essence. Uh, least favorite character, probably the same favorite death. Yeah. Santiago. What a dude. Fuck Santiago. Piece of shit. All right. Um, did you want to look at my notes? I took some pretty good notes. Would you like to tell the story? I don't know. I kind of. Go ahead if you want you to. Sure? I'm not going to stop you. I mean, other stuff I want to talk about, but okay. go for it. Yeah, I wrote some pretty good notes here. So and I, I know you really enjoyed it, and I'm really happy you enjoyed it. I loved so. it. And we can just kind of bounce back and forth, too. If there's anything I missed, just fucking j- jump right in. Uh, IMDb summary is a vampire tells his epic life story, love, betrayal, loneliness, and hunger. So without further ado, 41, 30. Um, so yeah, essentially this starts off in, well, okay. It starts with Louie and Malloy. Okay. You start, start, you start, you start, <laughs> you, you do the starting point. I have, I have the, the film I, opens up. I have on, when he starts telling a story. Yeah. The film opens up on, um, Louis and Malloy talking in a room. Malloy says he he is a writer that interviews people and uh, gets their stories and asks uh, Louis, who he's only seen in the dark, um, if he'd like to tell his story. And Louis's like, well, it's a very long story. And he goes, don't worry, I've got lots of tape. And he tells him he's a vampire, which Malloy laughs off initially um, until... Louis turns on the light and you can see just how pale he is and how quickly he moved about the room. Um, and yeah, he, he starts telling his story because he's like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. And it's just funny because of course, you know, Malloy doesn't, you know, of course, doesn't he's not, believe him, not going to believe him, but his story starts off in 1791. That's when he was born into darkness or as you would say, you know, turned into a vampire. He was a master of a plantation in new Orleans. He had just lost his wife and child and essentially, he was just longing for death. There's even that one scene in the bar where he gets into a scuffle and he just pulls his shirt open. And he's like, kill me. And the guy with the gun's like, I don't really want to do that now. Yeah, I like when he says you lack the courage of yeah. your convictions. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking... Like, you got the fucking gun. Do it. <laughs> do it. And uh, I guess, you know, a vampire, Lestat, overheard this. And when Louis was walking out of the bar, he is attacked by Lestat. And bitten, and it was a really cool scene because he bites him, and then he just takes him like all the way up into the into the air, and then eventually just drops him into the ocean. I was like, well, that's kind of a dick move. And I was like, okay, I looked at you, and I'm like, so he has to drink his blood. He hasn't done that yet. What's going on with that? Like, is he a vampire? Is this different lore? 
But a couple of scenes later, Lestat comes in. Does he offer him the choice? I can't remember. He does because he says, I'm going to offer you the choice that I never got. Well, I remember him saying that later. I just can't remember if he said that to... He did. Well, because if you remember, so Queen of the Damned um, also briefly gives a glimpse into how uh, Lestat becomes a vampire because mm-hmm. it kind of tells his beginnings and then where he's at in modern day. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets turned by his maker, Marius, who, after an incident with the Queen of the Damned, uh, yeah. abandons him um, to be on his own after a very brief period of time. So he really has no one to follow. Yeah. So he decides to turn into a vampire. And then they essentially live in this little, I mean, not little, I guess you would call that a, a plantation. Home. Say, oh, that's right. It's, that's his plantation home in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, they kind of just get into shenanigans. We learn that crucifixes and stakes of the heart in this lore have no effect. I believe they also said something about holy water, too. They did not mention holy they water. They did not mention holy water. It doesn't come up. Okay. There's something else they mentioned that didn't have oh, an effect um, on them. No, they were talking about how, uh, oh, he asked him about coffins oh, and yeah. the irrelevance of coffins. He said, yeah, coffins uh, are a necessity. Uh, obviously, so is blood. And I always thought that, not always thought, but again, the Lord changes so much. I just assumed it was humans, but he picks up a rat at one point and cuts it open and squeezes it into a glass. And he's like, here you go. You can have this. And I, I told, I looked at you and I'm like, there's got to be like different grades of blood. I'm sure like rat blood probably tastes very icky and gross. Like uh, maybe Aquafina or um, Dasani. Um, this is pretty standard uh, through most lores. Like this goes for Buffy, Vampire Diaries. Uh, you usually see only see really humans, though. I, I haven't really seen many that, that I can remember, you know, where they're like killing animals. Yeah. So this actually spreads across a lot of lore um, that uh, even Twilight um, where animal blood can be used to substitute it's never the same it d- never quenches the thirst the same way which you see with how right, obviously yeah. the stats affected long term yeah that's true but okay. um it never quenches the thirst the same but it will keep you going and keep you moving um but you will never be as strong or as powerful that that tracks actually through like several okay. different vampire lores that makes um, sense. but they do and all of them usually say that like things like rats are disgusting yeah pigs are better because they're closer taste wise but like Small animals are usually pretty gross. Pretty gross. And 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 Louis is having a very hard time coming to terms with killing people or feeding on people. And he's exclusively feeding off of animals. And he eventually kind of lashes out at Lestat because he's like, you condemned me to hell. And Lestat's like, I, I know no place. Like, what is... I love that. He's like, I don't know. What is this hell you speak of? So Louis is really struggling and he also asked him at one point like the meaning of being a vampire like what is the meaning of all this and, and Lestat actually gets really mad at him he's like you think I have these answers like I, I I don't know I can't tell you any of this and I love the struggle that they're both dealing with you have Louis who's trying to come to terms with this is his life now when he wanted death and he was rewarded with eternal life and you have Lestat who is trying to teach him the ways but he's being you know Louis is being very resistant to learning all of this it's a very interesting like dynamic well, and Lestat, as you see throughout the film, he's very vain. He's very superficial. He does <laughs> yeah. not care about people. He cares about he Lestat. Has no, um, he has no rev- reverence for life, I'd say, I guess. Re- reverence? Yeah, rever- yeah, reverence. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Where Louis still cares about people and humanity, which is why he's struggling to fit into this lifestyle because he doesn't want to kill people. He has a hard time accepting that. And um, But Lestat's all... Fun and games and parties. Um, I think in the books he's known as the um, the 
brat. He's like known oh, as yeah. a spoiled brat. I can see um, that. Because, yeah, he's very superficial, very narcissistic, and clearly got Louie because Louie was a rich plantation owner on his own and depressed. Yeah. And he wants luxury and wealth. He wants the finer things because he used to be rich. Right. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. So that's them pairing up is very is very interesting, except until one point when they the slaves that they have eventually start to revolt and they they start to go they they get like torches and pitchforks and they go to set the house on fire because what was it again exactly why they were going to do it because, because they were there were slaves that were starting to go missing they were dragging the that's if right. you saw you they were dragging the pond and pulling bodies out that's right okay all the, all the um, livestock was being killed by louis lestat was killing the slaves and they were clearly starting to catch on and that the fact that their master was no longer coming out at daytime no longer eating they were picking up that something was wrong. Oh, that's right. Okay, nah, there we go. That clicks now. So in the midst of all this, their uh, housemaid, I guess you would call it, is you know trying to feed Louis. He's not having it. And then she puts an arm out in front of him. And of course, you know he's a vampire. He can't resist at, at some point. He ends up biting her on accident, but then obviously really liking that. And he, he kills her and then he just takes her outside and he throws her to the, to the slaves and he actually takes the torch himself, lights his own plantation on fire. It all goes up in flames. Of course, Lestat bursts through the window, Jason Voorhees style, which I thought was hilarious. It's like, Oh, you're just going to burn up all the stuff that we have. This is it, right? Our stuff. I love that. He's always like, yeah, you're going to burn stuff. up all our things. Like, like this none the, of that was yours. This is my stuff. Uh, so they eventually, you know, they leave. And then this is when they run into Claudia I know I'm skipping kind of far yeah, into. Yeah, they go but... to New Orleans. They go actually to New Orleans because he lived outside of New Orleans. So yeah. now they've gone to New Orleans to, to New live. Orleans. So Lestat can continue to try to show him <laughs> the finer fun things about life, which still, in fact, includes killing people. So I know before they get to Claudia, they do like he tries to convince him to uh, kill a prostitute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, they're, they're renting like a little par- apartment yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, before they move into an actual home. Right. But yeah, they like, he's trying to convince him of the fun of killing these women. And like, um, well, then if you don't like the fun, then enter suffering because she's bleeding out right now. Yeah. And he's like, no, I can't do it. And there's just, again, there's just this whole struggle between them, which I just, I just found fascinating because yeah. you haven't really seen something like this. You know what I mean? Uh, but they do meet Claudia or Claudia. And I, I, I don't remember. I know Louis bites her, but I don't remember why he bites her. So he's upset after the whole prostitutes incident. Um, he goes storming off into the rain because he is still very upset. He doesn't want to hurt people. He doesn't want to kill people. And a he, vampire with a heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, he still has his humanity. But right, um, right. So which Lestat keeps telling him will fade, but never really does seem to fade. So he goes wandering off into the poorer areas of New Orleans where they're saying there's plague. And while he's wandering around in there, because he doesn't give a shit about plague, he bumps into Claudia, who is holding the hand of her disease-ridden and dead mother. Oh, yeah, there we go. And he goes to, like, comfort her, but then she hugs him and asks if he can wake up her mother. And then he bites her because, again, he can't completely, he can't fight the instincts all the way. He wants to, but if it's too close, much with uh, his house, yeah. Couldn't fight the urge. And um, so he bites her. Uh, Lestat, or yeah, Lestat finds him. Um, 
dances with the dead mom's corpse, which is, is just so special. Dad, uh, what are you doing? And then Louis, horrified at what that he uh, bit this child and drained this child's blood, runs off into the sewers until Lestat comes to find him to show him that he got him a gift. Yeah, which is her. Yeah. So he, so Louis is the one who killed her, but then Lestat brought her back to life, and now she is a vampire. And it's just essentially them, they're raising this girl at this point. You've got Louis, who's more of a father figure to her. And Lestat just treats her like, I don't know, just like a little kid. kind like of Like a doll. Like a doll, honestly. He dresses her like a doll. He buys her all these dolls, all this stuff. And uh, Louis tells her that he, you know, he took her life. Lestat gave her a new one. She's like, I hate you both for this so much. Like, oh, I, she gets fucking yeah, she feral, get, which is an amazing scene. fiery mad at them. And she... Kirsten Dunst nailed this role, but eventually she gets to a point where obviously she's more on Louis side than Lestat's side because like I said, Louis is much more of a father figure to her and they, they really developed this very strong bond. So she wants to leave Lestat and go with Louis, but Louis is like, or yeah, he's like Louis Lestat will never let us leave. You don't understand. He's absolutely crazy. And my favorite moment in this entire movie is what's about to happen right here. And I think I think this is after this is when we're going to the spoilers after I say what happens here, because it's pretty interesting. But the, you learn in the beginning of the movie that if you drink blood from a dead. So if you're if they're if you're draining someone of blood and you get to the point where the heart has stopped and you keep drinking that blood, it essentially is like poison for vampires and it does not do good things to the body. And she knew this because she was taught that. And she somehow manages to trick Lestat into drinking the blood, a dead blood of two boys that she killed. Yeah, because she gives them laudanum, which she says killed them, but it keeps the blood warm. It keeps the blood warm. So he ends up drinking tainted blood, and then she just slits his throat, like ear to, like ear, to ear almost, and he starts bleeding out all over the floor in a fucking dramatic fashion. And then Louis and Claudia take his body into the swamp, where they dump it and say, okay, now she's like, now we can go. We're free of Lestat. Now we're free to go off and gallivant on our own. So let's move into spoiler territory because obviously this is from 1994. It's almost 30 years old. We're going we're gonna to talk spoilers. Uh, do, 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 let me go down. Where was I? Oh, that's right. It's really crazy, though, because when they go back to whatever house they're living at, they're when they're packing up to leave. Yeah, when they're packing up to leave, who suddenly returns? Oh, it's Lestat, and he's playing the piano in the curtains that are flowing in front of him with his really gnarled and disheveled face. And I was like, wait a second, okay, how do you actually kill a vampire then? Because I thought that was I thought that was the KO, but I guess not. No, because <laughs> he pretty much explains that uh, the thing is, is they dumped his body in a swamp, and what is a swamp not filled with? If or what is a swamp filled with if not? Lots and lots of things to eat. That's true. So he fed on like gators and stuff like that. Um, so which of course he's still rotting and disgusting because he hasn't had human blood, and he's still weak. Yeah. But he has come back. Uh, he's come back to them for revenge. Literally come back for revenge. There's a really fun scuffle that breaks out, but eventually Louis ends up setting him on fire, and uh, I guess the house again. The, everything goes up in flames, and you're like, that's dead right you you got to be dead there's no way you come back from that but then they set out on a boat and they travel the fucking whole world in search of vampires and they can't find any vampires it's just him and claudia they can't find anything they eventually make it to paris in 1870 so now we're 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 100 years ahead of where we started because we started in 17 
1791. What's up? Well, and then you also notice um, there's a shift in how Louis and Claudia are. Because under Lestat, they're both kind of miserable. Claudia at first enjoys being a vampire. But it's been decades. She is an adult in a child's body. She is no longer a little girl. So she's over the whole bit. Yeah. And so now you can see a noticeable shift where Louis and Claudia are happy together. They are happy traveling together, being companions. She is no longer dressing like a child, but dressing dressing like like a woman. Like a woman would. Yeah. She is dressing in adult clothing. Um, obviously in her size. Uh, and then um, they are it's going... It's not oversized and baggy. <laughs> like, they are going um, to dances and dinners. Like, they, they are living much happier and more at peace together. And we should say at this point that um, after Claudia has been made, uh, Louis does start drinking human blood. Um, he does, like, just start doing that. Yeah. He gives up on the feeding on rats thing. Yeah, he does, which is probably the best for him. So... yeah. They go to Paris in 1870, which is, again, it's about 90 years after where we started in 1791, and they finally meet another vampire in the streets, and it's a fucking hilarious interaction, too, because they meet each other, and then they do this weird little dance, and then he sees Armand. Armand is Antonio Banderas, and he gives him a card. He's like, come to the show. No one will hurt you. Like, you know, just come and watch. And they go watch this very, very upsetting show where it's vampires playing humans playing vampires and they actually like kill a woman on stage and everyone in the theater assumes it's, oh, it's just a show until she's stripped naked and eaten in front of them and the curtain draws and everyone kind of walks out very awkwardly and even uh, Claudia and... uh, and uh, Louis were like monsters, like, like what the they, fuck? they even they're like this is just distasteful. Like, yeah. Damn. So uh, after that, they 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 meet Armand cordially, and their little colony of vampires. And we learn that Armand is 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 nearly four hundred years old, so he's probably the oldest living vampire around. Uh, we also learn from them that killing your own kind means death for you, which I told you is so hypocritical. It's like, you killed a vampire, now we kill you. I get the punishment fits the crime, but it's funny that how that works. Um, and uh, he also says that make, Armand says that making a vampire so young is like forbidden because Lestat and Louis, they don't fucking know the rules. No one was like, here's the Ten Commandments they for being... They did whatever the hell they wanted. Yeah, here, here's the Ten Commandments for being a vampire. They, they're, they're just doing things. So they didn't know that killing your own was considered a sin in the, in, like, in the vampire community. And making a vampire that young is also just like forbidden thing to do. So you're like, all right, cool. And they eventually get on to the point where Armand knew Lestat. And I can't remember how... Was it Marius connected them or something? So, um, basically, uh, and early in the film, it's established that Lestat can read other people's thoughts. Not everybody can do this, That's but right. he could. Um, and Santiago can also do that. Mm. So, um, there we go. When Louis and Claudia originally meet everyone, Louis briefly talks to Armand, and then he and Claudia leave. They have this awkward thing where she's like, well, Armand clearly wants you to be with him. He's miserable. I could see it in his face that he wanted me to let you go so you could be with him. Right. And then I'll be alone. And it's this whole thing. So, uh, so, but while they're leaving, Louis thinks a regretful thought about how he, uh, about how he wronged Lestat because now he's seeing what other vampires are like and he feels like maybe he misjudged Lestat. Right. But Santiago hears him and goes, what did you do to Lestat? Like, what What did you do? There's only one crime. And Armand knows. He he infers that it is 
that he they killed when uh, Louis comes back to talk to Armand again. Louis and uh, Armand infers to Louis privately that Lestat was killed, and he's like, he, I know Lestat, but not enough to have mourned his passing. Okay, okay, that's right, that's right. So now the now the cat is out of the bag. Okay, Vampire Colony knows that they've killed Lestat. And the vampire colony go. That's what I'm going to call them. Just things that makes the most sense. They coven. go coven. coven. Okay, the van, the vampire coven. They go out to find Claudia and Louis, and they bring them back to their nest. Is what I'll, is what I'll say. And the punishment for this, which is weird because they said death. It's not death for everybody. Apparently, they're going to you know it's death for Claudia, but it's being buried alive upside down for Louis. Because they know about, uh, they can see the reverence he has for life and right. how tortured he is. They feel like it's more fun to it's torture more, Yeah, just like going to prison would be more torture than, you know, the electric chair or something like that. Living with your mistake. So, Claudia and, sadly enough, the lady that was with them at the time of when they got caught, just some random lady that they were trying to like you know they were uh, they were trying to give claudia a like a a, mother figure so that way if something happened and louis decided to part ways she would not be alone because really she couldn't she's 12 she looks 12 she can't just be by herself forever yeah so it's her and this lady and they are in this pit that eventually the sun will come over and you know it will bake them and they will die because of sun exposure and uh louis in a coffin upside down so armand because you think Armand, this whole t- he, he says if, if there was a leader, it would be me. But there's no real leader here. It's kind of just anarchy, I would say. There's not mob really mentality. mob mentality. So Armand has a change of heart. He goes to save them. But instead of going to Claudia first, he goes to Louis. And Louis is thankful, but he's like, fucking Claudia, dude. Like, did you, why didn't you go save her? He's like, oh, I just couldn't do it. And he's, you know, of course, he storms out. Louis storms to try to go find her. And saddest fucking moment, I was legitimately almost in like on the verge of tears, opens the door where Claudia and the lady were, and they are literally dust. They are like almost like stone. They're they're like you they're can ash. S- they're ash. They're but they're you know, they're still like together. And then Embraced, he, yeah. he touches them and then she falls. And I was like, oh, my God, my heart. And everyone in there, uh, when Louis walking out, is kind of smirking and laughing. And Santiago pokes his head out. I was like, you f- fucking you better get him. I was like, you better blaze this fucking place up just like you did the other two places. And what does he do? Fucking exactly that. He comes back when all the vampires are sleeping in their coffins, throws down, what'd you say it was? Kerosene? Yeah. Completely covers everything in kerosene, lights it on fire, an epic just fucking bloodbath ensues because you've got vampires that are on fire. He's got a scythe and he's cutting people's heads off and cutting people in half. And he's just destroying this entire place. And he eventually does the, does all the damage he can and goes upstairs. And there's one person left and it's Santiago. And he gets at the worst. And this is why he's our favorite kill because he comes toward, they kind of have this weird moment where he come, they come toward each other. And then he has like this super speed where he flips around Louie, but Louie just takes a scythe and cuts him from like elbow to like right, you know, left elbow to right. Cuts his torso in yeah, half. Yeah, cuts his torso in half. And it was so epic. So he kills all the vampires and actually Armand is outside in a horse and carriage to kind of take him into the night. Um, Into the day because it's daylight. Sorry, into the day. And then uh, he, you know, he he roams the earth again in search of happiness, Louis, because he he leaves Armand. He's very upset that he did not go and save Claudia as what I I would go save the one that's in imminent danger. I'm in the dark 
go save her. So he leaves Armand and it's very upsetting because you can tell that he almost wants to be with him. They have this weird intimate moment where it's like, yeah, Armand wants to show him more about what it means to be a vampire and the, um, the deeper meanings behind it because all the vampires Armand had been with were very superficial and right. not like Lestat, but they were very much like, um, they were just really, uh, they didn't care that they were vampires. They thought it was funny. They thought killing people was a joke. Yeah. And so Armand wants to do that, but, uh, Louis just can't like get past the fact that, uh, Yep. He feels betrayed because yeah. Claudia meant the entire world to him. Well, and that's why he roams the earth. He roams the earth in search of happiness. Nothing's making him happy. So he finally makes his way back to America and he's able to see the sun because it's time has passed and he's able to see the sunrise again through, you know, motion pictures. And that kind of brings him some joy. He's like, oh, I can I haven't been able to see the sunrise in hundreds of years. I can actually see it on the screen and it doesn't hurt me. That's cool. And then he finally returns home to New Orleans in 1998 and he knew he was home just by the smell uh, and speaking of smell, he could smell something he hadn't smelled in ages. And who who is it of all? It's fucking Lestat. He is still somehow alive. He's been in the same home that was burned for 118 years, eating rats. They're everywhere. And, uh, you know, he they, he's like, oh, you're back. Okay, we can like, he's like, oh, I want to get back to being my old self. And Louis is like. Yeah, because he's very like, weak and like, decrepit no. and aged because, again, the blood will keep you alive of animals, but it will not keep. It will not heal you like human blood. Yeah. So, so he's like, "I'm sorry, old friend. Like, I, I, I have to go." He's like, "All of my passion went with the golden hair, which was, which was Claudia, as we know." So he leaves, and then that's when we come back to Malloy, and um, I have written down Daniel. I'm, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, Daniel Malloy. Daniel Malloy. So it's back in where we started in the little flat or whatever, and he's like, "Oh my god, I, I want to be a vampire." And Louis's like, "This, that isn't." You missed the fucking point. I'm telling you how awful it is and how much I hate it. You don't understand. And he hoists him up to the ceiling. He's like, is this what you want? And he's like, no, no. Do you want death? He's like, no, I don't want death. And he drops him. And then he disappears into the night. Daniel or Malloy runs down to his car and uh, gathers all his things and then pops in the tape that he's been recording. And it's, you know, he's listening to exactly what we heard in the beginning. And yet again, who pops out of nowhere? Lestat. He bites Daniel in the neck. Throws him into the passenger seat, drives off into the night and says, I'm going to give you a choice that I didn't have. You know, do you want death or do you want to be a vampire? And they drive off into the sunset and boom, that was it. Over like the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a fucking movie. Yeah. What an absolute fucking amazing movie. Tom Cruise's performance. You're right. I'm not huge on him most of the time. So different than normal. Yeah. Thought he did amazing. Of course, Brad Pitt. Awesome as always. Kirsten Dunst nailed it. Yeah. And even all the supporting cast did great too. I mean, Christian Slater wasn't in a lot of it, but uh, he was good as well. But yeah, um, overall thoughts. What did you think? I love that movie. You Like you and I talked about, um, the one thing that makes it the most interesting is um, that it's not like most vampire films are, they're vampires, they're people, vampires and people fight. Who's going to win yeah. that? Oh no. And uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a long story of a vampire's life and all the trials and all the bad and good of his life and so that makes it more interesting because you're not just focusing on one moment in time for a vampire with a flashback the whole thing's his life yeah is exactly i think that's why i like it so much because it focuses on one person and their just whole life well not their life story but their time on this earth as a vampire yep very interesting something 
very different. And yeah, I was just absolutely enthralled by this movie. I had so much fun with it. And uh, I, I actually gave it a half star extra at the end because of that just epic ending. I wasn't expecting it because I was like, I want this. But usually when I want things in movie movies, it doesn't happen. And then I got it. And I was like, oh, fucking right on. Okay. Um, so that is Interview with the Vampire. Check it out on HBO Max. I'm going to try to get, I'm just going to read a couple uh, things of trivia real quick. Before we go, the, the really the main one I want to read is this one, how all the actors playing vampires were required to hang upside down for up to 30 minutes at a time during makeup. This would floor, force all the blood to their uh, to their face, causing blood vessels to bulge. So the makeup artist would trace them and then create eerie tra- translucent skin. It did work very well because I love that effect that they had on people. What, what? Oh, yeah. The yeah. veins like that was a great vampire makeup effect. Yeah, that was a great va- uh, vampire makeup. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah. So although the screen credits read screenplay, no one's fucking talking to you. Who was that? Um, wasn't mine. Stop. Shut up. Stop it. Whoever you are, stop. It's your computer. Go away. Anyways. Uh, yes. So where was I fucking, although the screen credits read screenplay by Anne Rice based on her novel, the script was actually heavily rewritten by director Neil Jordan. Writers Guild rules meant that Rice got credit. So she did write it, but then it got re Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) During filming, tensions developed between Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt over the latter's alleged poor hygiene. According to Cruise, his co-star didn't use any deodorant and the resulting body odor became noticeable. And due to them not getting along on set, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt refused to never work with each other ever, ever again. Uh, Let's see. Sam Raimi was considered for directing the film. That would have been a wildly different movie. And last but not least, this was the first LGBT-related film to gross more than $100 million at the time. U.S. box office worldwide. It's number two, The Birdcage, 1986. Uh, Rated 7.5 out of of 10 on IMDb, 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Has a 64% on the tomato meter and an 86% audience score. I gave it a a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, I figured you did. Yeah, about the same. About the same? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, similar movies, according to Letterboxd, Let the Right One In, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Let Me In, Twilight, and 30 Days of Night. Similar movies, according to IMDb, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Interview with the Vampire TV show, Queen of the Damned, Lost Boys, and Sleepy Hollow. Let's read some bad reviews and get the fuck out of here. Okay, so I get to do mine now. Yeah, you said you wanted to go first. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad review, but it's hysterical. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Nothing about this makes sense. This is a three-star review. <laughs> okay. Is this a romance, a comedy, a horror film? How was this so gay? But how is it not gayer? How was this marketed? Who funded this? How was this made? Who saw this in theaters? Oh my God, that's the longest review. Where are they now? Why did Kirsten Dunst have to snap so uh, hard? Why did Tom Cruise give the go-ahead by... Uh, was Tom Cruise given the go-ahead by Scientology to make this stream extremely erotic film? Why did the audience not clap after Antonio Banderas' extremely thought-provoking play? Why is this dedicated? Why is this not dedicated to River Phoenix? And is like Brad Pitt okay? Okay, shorter reviews next time, lady. I know, but that was really funny. There's only one thing I hate. Oh, sorry, this is a two-star from Dirk H. There's only one thing I hate more than sparkly vampires, and that's wimpy whining vampires. Sure, it's well made and all, but that Louis, oh, but Louis's conscious and incessant Boy Scout behavior gets on my tits. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Don't know what that means. Uh, two and a half from Ryan. Sullen, long-haired, gray-skinned Brad Pitt does not make for great company. Vicious, long-haired, gray-skinned Tom Cruise, on the other hand, does. <laughs> 
Two stars from Sarah. Wow. Very gay. Very bloody. <laughs> Two more. Uh, Izzy Marine, two stars. I'm big mad that no one kissed in this. Literally, what the heck even happened except for baby trapping? LMAO. And last but not least, two stars from Jessalyn. Just two gay dads raising their daughter. <laughs> I told you that when we were watching the movie. I'm like, someone said that Tom Cruise and uh, Brad Pitt invented the gay guys adopting a kid <laughs> yeah. trope. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because seriously, if you, uh, in the book, and I know in the show, um, they, they are in fact lovers. So well, you can't that. have that kind of tension and they're not banging. Jesus Christ. Anyways, catch us on Facebook at Frightmares and Instagram and Slasher app at Frightmares Podcast. Twitter at Frightmares underscore pod. Your shoulder still hurt? Yeah. Okay, we'll get some ice and heat on it. Uh, I am on... Do, 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 oh, spooky at outlook.com is our email. I am on TikTok at silver.shamrock. I'm also on Letterboxd at Dr. Proctor. You are... Watson LMP90. All righty. Uh, next week, I still haven't figured out how the bonus episodes are doing yet. But So it's either going to be me, Mikey, and Aid doing another... Well, not another. It'll be me, Mikey, and Aid doing a witch movie. Or it's going to be me and Spencer doing our first episode of Black History Month. So until then, stay tuned and... Stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>